Penn State just got another upgrade at the wide receiver position, and they don't even have a coach there right now. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, and Penn State does it again. No wide receivers coach, no problem. They land Malik McLean at wide receiver transfer from Florida State. I, I know I said Malik McNeil uh, in, the, in a previous episode with the voice of Penn State Wrestling, Jeff Byers, but it is Malik McLean. Penn State did have a Malik McNeil, actually, that offensive tackle that was with them that did enter the transfer portal. So out goes McNeil, in comes Malik McLean, and this is a major upgrade. I, I mean, really, th- this is as good as it gets, I think. Uh, losing Taylor Stubblefield... And now you get Dante Cephas who can start at your X and now you can get, you get a Malik McLean that can start at the Z. So we're going to talk about Malik McLean in the opening segment here. Uh, big picture thoughts about the wide receiver spot. Uh, and then the NFL draft deadline has come and gone as far as players that wanted to enter uh, all the Penn state players that came back that could have entered the draft. We'll discuss the importance of them. And then special guest, Adam sheets joins me once again as Penn state men's basketball Tough loss to Wisconsin, 63-60. to Adam and I will recap it all in the final segment and what it means for NCAA tournament hopes is that was a important quad one win that they did not get. Um, it's the same old song and dance, can't win out in Wisconsin. Malik McLean, 6'4", 200-pound wide receiver from Florida State. Uh, better wide receiver than Devin Carter, so forget about him. Mr. Carter's gone. He's gone to West Virginia. Penn State will play him in week one. Maybe he's a starter, maybe not. I'm all in on the fact that I think Malik McLean will start in the fall because most importantly, he's a, he's a student. He is registered at Penn state. He is taking classes. So I imagine that he's going to be on campus for the spring semester, which means he gets into the weight room. Now he gets into the practices. Now he'll play in the blue and white game. Those are all important to build chemistry and to just get familiar with the program, the setup, and you have that advantage. Uh, that's why they encourage high school seniors to enroll early as those incoming freshmen. But he did, in fact, start as a freshman. I mean, McNeil was a, a former high-end prospect. He was a four-star. Uh, he already had good size coming out of high school. He went to IMG Academy, so he played some comparable talent. Uh, but you get somebody with some serious Division One playing experience in Malik McLean, and, and it's finally official. Right. I, I bring up the part about the classes and everything, but there was some speculation that did Penn State get this guy? How serious? Because the reports came out that that he was here, that he was interested. And McLean didn't confirm that Penn State didn't confirm that. I, I like to wait for the players confirmation. Um, it was being reported by various outlets and kudos to them in their in their sources. They got it right. Uh, and thank goodness, because. Uh, you can you can really mess up these player commitments, uh, if you will. Someone found a psu.edu uh, email linked to McLean, uh, meaning that he is enrolled in classes, that he is uh, at Penn State University. And he did post a farewell message to Florida State on his social media, but it wasn't until yesterday that he actually announced his commitment to Penn State. So then he finally committed. So what is Penn State getting in the former Knoll? Well, in two seasons with Florida State, and he started nine out of 12 games as a true freshman 
at Florida State. 33 receptions, 396 yards, and five touchdowns in those two years. Uh, not really a focal point either year. His freshman year was actually better than this past season as a sophomore because he was worked out of the starting rotation uh, in Florida State. But he did play in all 13 games. He made a few starts, just not as many. And he's got two years of eligibility left, and he has the red shirt if he does, in fact, need to use it. But he's got two years to play at Penn State. So why did he leave? Why didn't it work out at Florida State? He never secured that feature role, and I think that's what he's looking for. There's an opening at Penn State to either become the number one or the number two target. Uh, and I think he can become either of them. I, I think he'll be the number two because I think Cephas will become the X receiver, a little more experience, uh, but McLean's a big body. That's what Penn State, I think, has been lacking, that true size on the outside boundary to go to the speed on one side, the shiftiness in the middle, and then you have a big body target on the outside. Like I think back to Jawan Johnson, how important he was with that frame. Uh, the wide receiver room was also stacked at Florida State. Uh, that is also why he didn't work out. Veterans didn't opt out for the draft. They decided to come back, and you're getting some really good. I looked at Florida State's recruiting, and they got some really good receivers coming in to help out. Uh, the high-end recruits are coming, and the veterans are staying. So the writing was kind of on the wall, at least in the case for McLean here. Uh, and then Tomahawk Nation, which covers Florida State very closely, uh, they called it frustrating to see him leave. They either viewed him as just another high-end talent with a lot of potential uh, waiting to break out because it was there. I just don't think Florida State utilized him all that much, or maybe he and the coaching staff didn't get along. Uh, but what is uh, Florida State's loss is Penn State's gain here. So right now I'm thinking this for wide receiver next season. Cephas is the X. Keandre Lambert-Smith moving over from the Z into the slot because now you really, with Parker Washington leaving for the NFL, you really have an opening at that Y position. And that's the slot. That's that middle receiver. And it's no disrespect to Liam Clifford and Caden Saunders who are going to contend for that spot as well. But I think Keandre Lambert-Smith uh, really could fit in the slot position. And then McLean as the Z wide receiver. And we also had this bit of news. Jaden Dotton is no longer with the team. He's in the transfer portal as the window is getting ready to shut before spring ball. Uh, and then it will open up back. It will open back up after. So accordingly, um, this is it. Jaden Dotton makes this decision ultimately because of Malik McLean. Uh, with McLean coming in and Dotton was competing for that Z wide receiver spot. Uh, Dotton never really found his footing. Um, six foot two, 200 pounds, good size, good frame. He did make the one start against Ohio, but at the end of the season, two catches for 14 yards. We never really heard from him again. And it was surprising to see him get the nod against the Bobcats. So I feel like he had the opportunity, never really seized a hold of it. Uh, he's a former four-star out of Massachusetts, so Penn State is losing a quality wide receiver. He's got multiple years of eligibility left. Uh, Would have been, I thought, somebody that could attended for some more reps, but now he's going to have to find those reps somewhere else, and that is because Penn State got Malik McLean in the door. And let's continue to think big picture here, right, before we get into the second segment about all the guys that uh, decided to come back and didn't enter the draft. Uh, the wide receiver core. I am I'm really enamored with here between Cephas McLean and Lambert Smith as my projected three starters. Uh, each of them have two years of eligibility left, which is really important because they're on the same timeline as Drew Aller. The quarterback is going to be thrown to them as Nicholas Singleton, as Catron Allen, and, and that the offense, the core, the bulk of this offense 
could be together for the next two seasons, right? And you can build that chemistry, that foundation. So it's, some guys are going to move on, you know, uh, in the case of a Dante Cephas, he could go a Keandre Lambert Smith, but all those guys have two years of eligibility left. So if their NFL aspirations aren't ready after this season, think about 2024 when everyone's back and even better. I'm just, I'm just saying someone is bound to leave for the NFL in that group, but just think about the chemistry that could be built and Penn state could return a bulk of its production from 2023 into 2024. If we're thinking long-term it is locked on Nittany lions. When we return, we're going to talk about the players that decided not to go in the NFL draft since the deadline has come and gone. They are back in the fold. Those players that all return, plus the ones that Penn State is losing, in fact, and just kind of a retrospective look of how this team's going to be in 2023. All coming up next. Today's episode is sponsored by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football and pro basketball to college basketball. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at bet online as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts thanks again for making locked on nittany lines your first listen every day but you got to go check out the brand new show on the locked on podcast network for your second listen and that is locked on college basketball everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place plus you get to hear from big name experts insiders coaches and players that is locked on college basketball available on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts and like locked on college basketball locked on nittany lions i want to thank everyone for the support and helping the channel get over 700 subscribers if you're new here please do subscribe to the channel for all of the latest penn state football content men's basketball wrestling you name it it'll all be right here uh, segment number two today, and of course, Adam Sheets is going to join us in the final segment to recap Penn State men's basketball's loss to Wisconsin 63-60. to uh, I'm off the bandwagon. I don't know that this team is a tournament team. Those are the kind of games that you need to win, and that was a very important quad one win. We'll discuss that in the final segment. The deadline to declare for the NFL draft has come and gone. No surprises that were any late entries. There weren't any of those. Um they, they are losing some key players that, that could have come back and tight end Brenton Strange, center Juice Scruggs, defensive end Nick Tarburton, wide receiver Parker Washington, and cornerback Joey Porter Jr. and kicker Jake Penninger. Those are all some of the main guys, the key veterans that could have come back in this situation, and, and they are moving on. Joey Porter Jr., not really a surprise. I think Parker Washington, because of the way the season ended, I'd consider that one a little bit of a surprise because I think his draft stock could have improved like a Jahan Dotson if he had come back because I expect him to go in the fourth or fifth round. That's just my opinion. He might have heard otherwise from NFL scouts and the injury might be something that he can easily overcome and they won't hold it against him. But the NFL, it's a business. Uh, and, and they are pretty cruel. I, I thought Nick Tarburton would have came back as well, um, but sometimes you just outgrow college football. It's just not for you anymore. I think that's the case for Brenton Strange and Juice Scruggs. They've just been at Penn State for a long time. And But this is the real important part because we're talking about Penn State football for 2023. So the subtractions, it, yeah, they hurt, but here are the guys that they kept that could have gone on to the NFL. 
None more important than offensive tackle Lufashinu because he is passing up a top 10 draft pick potential, that huge NFL contract that the rookies get being drafted in. Some had him in the top five even, but I would say as a, as a borderline top 10 for sure if you want to be certain. Linebacker Curtis Jacobs could have gone. Defensive end Adisa Isaac. Safety Keaton Ellis comes back. Tight end Theo Johnson, so that's good they – only lose one. They don't lose both tight ends. Cornerback uh, Johnny Dixon, uh, defensive tackles Devon Lees and Hakeem Beeman, and offensive linemen Sal Wormley and Caden Wallace could have entered as well. And then, of course, we we know about Sean Clifford, P.J. Mustafer, Chris Stoll, Jair Brown, those guys and others who didn't have any eligibility remaining. So for all the losses that they could have had, this is a phenomenal return. This is really good for Penn State. If a bigger chunk of those guys had gone to the NFL. You know, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe 2023 uh, is, is going to be good, but you got to get some of the youngsters in like, this is a much older team now with all these veterans coming back in Penn state. The most important part of this, James Franklin and this football team have stuck to the blueprint. Once again, you recruit and you retain important players. Guys are going to leave in the transfer portal. It happens. Not everyone's going to work out at the institution, and they got to go find another home at the end of the day. But what Penn State likes to do as far as a blueprint is they want to recruit guys, bring them up through the program, and retain those players, and then fill in the gaps through the transfer portal, which they have done this offseason. They don't want to build in the transfer portal. This isn't free agency to them. Leave that to Michigan State. Leave that to Florida State. That's fine. Build your program that way and have chemistry be all out of whack. Have guys that you don't know that, that just might not fit in with the program. Penn State doesn't do that. They build the foundation with guys out of high school, have them come in someplace sooner than others, but they're in the program. They're there together. And then when you need that piece, like a storm duck, when you need a start, another starting cornerback, when you need another guy that can come in uh, and, and just at least fill a gap or be a depth piece. And Arnold Abacady a year ago became an instant impact starter, and they just needed that defensive end in that situation. So Penn State likes to do that, build with the players out of high school, and then go get some key veterans in the transfer portal, wide receiver in this case. They don't want to build in the transfer portal. They want to go get the compliments to the core. And Penn State has done that very well this year. And all the players, they're, they're not a bunch of no names. They are very important uh, cogs in this wheel that are, I think are they're going to be a playoff contender in 2023. They really are. But they got to get through the Big Ten first. I totally understand that. How about building out for the future? So there was this bit of news as well for Penn State uh, in the recruiting cycle for 2024. It is never too early to start for the next one. Even though the class of 2023 isn't finalized, Penn State's still going after some guys that could commit in this class in February. But 2024 four-star linebacker Anthony Specka has committed to Penn State. He's the second commit to Cooper Cousins, who's an offensive lineman, and both commits are from Pennsylvania. So the best in Pennsylvania stay in Pennsylvania. I, I love that motto. And, and Specka, to get a read on this guy, because you know how many people are scouting high school football players across the country? That's why you come here, and that's why you listen to a lot of us that cover college football. But Specka's one of the better ones in this class. He's a top 300 overall player in the entire country. Every single athlete in high school football for 2024 – He's guaranteed, wherever you look, to be in the 300. Top 20 linebacker, top 10 player in Pennsylvania. So out of all the high school seniors for 2024, he is a top 10 player 
in the state of Pennsylvania, and he chose Penn State over Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Pitt, Pitt, whatever, Pitt. And Pitt wasn't in, even in the discussion. Uh, but Penn State oh, over, over those other schools, and, and they got him. So that shows you just how important of a commitment uh, in this cycle as well. He's the second guy in this cycle to commit. Six foot one, 215 pounds, which is great size for someone who is in high school already. He, he's going to need to add some weight. They want the linebackers to be in the 230s, 240s, maintain that speed and add the weight. But this is good size for someone that is a rising high school senior. Manny Diaz continues to solidify that LBU status, linebacker U. I mean, he is the defensive coordinator and linebacker position coach after all. Uh, as far as what kind of spec, uh, what kind of player Specca is, very athletic, high football IQ, knows for the football, and not afraid of content. Basic contact, basically the traits that you would look for in a linebacker, in a good one that is college ready. And I, I just think that the, this class will continue to be something special because the most important part about recruiting is the players and the message that they speak. You need guys like an Alex Birchmeyer, uh, a Micah Parsons before that, guys who are very vocal because the coaches can only do so much, right? It's the players that got to say, hey, this place is special. And the first thing that Anthony Specka does is post – uh, on his social media about Quentin Martin, who's arguably one of the best cornerbacks, I would say, in the recruiting cycle in the past decade. That's how good this kid is. Quentin Martin out of Belvern High School. Go go check out his highlight tape. You won't be disappointed. And Specka was there at a basketball game, and he said, hey, let Quentin Martin know, guys. I'm letting him know how important Penn State is and what it would mean to get his commitment basically verbatim. And that's what you need. And, and a player like that who's all in, Cooper Cousins is like that too. The kids that are, commit this early are all in on Penn State. Uh, and, and that's good to see them recruiting other fellow athletes and guys who are high-end talent. Uh, as far as the team rankings go for 2024, Penn State is now tw number 21 in the country and number five in the Big Ten. If you can believe it, Iowa is actually number one right now. That is according to 24-7 Sports. Iowa will not stay in that position, just FYI. As Locked on Nittany Lions, we're talking Penn State men's basketball, and if they're still an NCAA tournament team, with special guest Adam Sheets next. Today's episode is sponsored by Built Bars. Looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all of the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compensate the taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. It's the perfect New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good, you might ask? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I I'm not sure how Built does it. But these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy for you. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now we don't need to wait around to get a box anymore. For years, we've been talking about go to 
Built Bar, get your Built Bars at Built.com. That's not the case. You can now go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to the nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box that includes cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, just run in, grab a 13-bar box with the hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Welcome back to Locked on Nittany Lions. And in this segment, we welcome back Adam Sheets, special guest, Penn State men's basketball insider for Penn State University's Com Radio. Adam, we, we saw Penn State go down to Wisconsin 63-60. to 60. Uh, I thought this was a game that they definitely should have won, especially if Tyler Wall was going to be out of this game, but he played. But that's not the guy that ended up really beating them. I think Penn State beat themselves once again. Uh, came out in the first half, red hot shooting. Then in the second half, they kind of lulled themselves to sleep here. But Wisconsin does get the win. Seemed pretty amped up. Uh, I mean, why not? It was a close game. It was down to the wire. It was one point. Then you had the possession. And then that was really it. But now, I don't know. Penn State falls to 12 and 6, 3 and 4 in conference. And there still seems to be this gap between the top half of the Big Ten, and Penn State seems to be in this middle ground here. They're not at the bottom, but they're kind of in no man's land when it comes to the Big Ten. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. They're kind of like right there where it's really close. They're almost ready to grab that brass ring and really get to that upper echelon of the Big Ten, but just a couple possessions here and there in these close games, which Penn State's always in. They've been in over the last five or six years. There's been a lot of close games, and it seems like they're consistently on the wrong end of a lot of these close games, whether it be you know a call not going their way, some shots not falling in key moments, another team making a lot of shots in key moments. Just some things just aren't going this team's way. It's been that way when Pat Chambers was here Jim Ferry's one year they had a lot of close games they were unable to pull some out and the same thing last year with Micah Shrewsbury and this year it's just a team that's really really close and a lot has to go right for them to win these games and sometimes they just don't get those ending possessions and down the stretch of these close games where they can able to find a way to pull out so they're right there it seems like they're really close you know they compete with some of the top teams in the Big Ten then you look at it just unable to get those wins when they need them most Adam Sheets with uh Penn State's Com Radio, Penn State Men's Basketball Insider here on the show. Uh, there was a lot that obviously they didn't shoot as well in the second half. You know, they're up 36 to 30. I know that's only a two possession game, but still they played so much better. They were five of nine from three point land. Uh, they were shooting over 50% from the field in the first half. Uh, and, and they looked like they were controlling and dictating the pace of the game. And then Seth Lundy gets into some serious foul trouble, had, had four fouls and, and really couldn't contribute as much. Uh, 21 minutes in this game when he's supposed to be that secondary guy. It's Jalen. I mean, Jalen Pickett continues to light it up. I'm a firm believer. I know he's not going to get it, but he's definitely Big Ten player of the year in my mind if he's on a better team. I think he is regardless, but that's just my opinion. The voters don't care about that. Uh, they're not going to pick him because Penn State's going to be on the lower half of the Big Ten here. So was it Seth Lundy not contributing as much? Was it the cold shooting in the second half? What really went wrong for Penn State in this loss to Wisconsin? 
I think it was very similar. Obviously, the game didn't end the same way, but to the Purdue game they played in the Palestra, where they played great in the first half, lights out, were scoring, shooting the ball well. Everything was going right for them in the first half. Then once that second half hit, Penn State really hit a lull quick. Wisconsin bounced out right to a 12-2 run to really take control in the second half, and Penn State then starting to play from behind after the change the way they played. They were able in this Wisconsin game to keep it close when Purdue was able to really stretch that thing out and really put Penn State at arm's length the entire second half. They were able to compete with this Wisconsin team throughout the game, but just that slow start to the second half, which starts to become a theme for Micah Shrewsbury's team. He's talked about it. They're the oldest team in the country, according to Ken Palm, but sometimes yeah. they just don't play that way. They have these mental mistakes, these lapses. It's a start second half where it allows these teams, and other veteran teams, the Big Ten's one of the oldest leagues in the country with a lot of veteran players who played a lot of big-time college basketball, just able to get out on these runs early because a lot of teams want to punch you in the mouth at the start of these second halves to really get back in the game if they're down to really take control if they have the opportunity and Wisconsin was able to do that credit to them they had their identity they were going down to Steven Crowell a lot he ended up with 21 and 11 at a big game for the Badgers and that was enough just going inside and that opened up some shots for their shooters outside so it was a great game plan by Greg Gard one of the better coaches in the conference and just Penn State that slow start in that second half really hurt them playing from behind able to get back in it and gave them a chance to win the game on the game's final possession but when you really get that slow start when you really think you're going to have the opportunity to win it it just puts you in such a hole. And the Big Ten Network threw up a graphic uh, towards the end of the game that it, it made me scratch my head a little bit because th this is a fact that Andrew Funk and Seth Lundy are statistically the best three-point shooters in the country, and yet somehow Penn State is three and four in the Big Ten. So, Adam, what gives? Um, it's kind of these things of the way Penn State plays and the way Penn State's being guarded right now. It's that they're not going to help off Andrew Funk. They don't in their offense right now is Jalen Pickett inside creating everything through his post game. There's not a lot of ball movement. Jalen Pickett's holding the ball a lot. So a lot of Andrew Funk's shots were coming off. Teams helping off Pickett, making the right read, kicking it out to shooters. And when the ball moves right off that first initial attack, teams aren't helping off as much anymore. They're respecting Miles Dredd. They're respecting Seth Lundy. They're yeah. respecting Andrew Funk. They're respecting those guys from deep and saying, if Jalen Pickett wants to go inside and beat us in there, we're just going to play straight up defense, not help off as much, maybe help off Cam Winter if we have to help off anyone because, you know, Cam Winter's really struggled from deep at times this season, struggled tonight, had a shot with a chance to take the lead late in the second half and just tell his confidence once there he was wide open and his head went down right when it left his hands he knew he left it short so there's a little confidence issue there with cam winner but you know they're just not helping off these shooters making penn state go inside because everyone in the country knows they want to shoot threes that's their identity that's how they stay in these games without an inside presence and they're just forcing penn state to go inside instead of allowing them to shoot the lights out from behind the arc Adam, a couple more thoughts before I let you go. Uh, Fox put out uh, its bracketology, and it has Penn State as a number 10 seed in the big dance going up against a number 7 seed in North Carolina. While I don't like that game in general for them, I think the Tar Heels would beat them 99 times out of 100 in that situation. That's just a bad draw. But uh, on top of that, does Penn State even get into the tournament? Because right now, I said it a few episodes ago, but I'm not really sold anymore that they're going to make it into the NCAA tournament. Nothing in this game makes me change my opinion than I had because obviously this is a tough game on the road against a quad one level team in Wisconsin. Very true. So you have that. 
Um, so it's really not going to hurt their resume at all. Now they have a big one against Nebraska. Now Lose, winning this game would have gave them some cushion. They would have had the ability maybe to drop a game mm-hmm. that they should probably win at home. Now winning, losing this game, which is what probably most people expected, it really puts you back to now you got to get back. You got to win the games you're supposed to win. A huge one on Saturday against Nebraska, which will be big for this team. If they win that game, they're right where they want to be. And in the Big Ten, every game's a chance to boost your resume. They're going to go to Rutgers next week. They're going to have Michigan coming to the Bryce Jordan Center looking for a split. They're going to play Purdue again in West Lafayette. So there's opportunities to get big wins in this conference. They just got to find a way to get it. This win would have been huge to give them that cushion that if they do lose a couple games in a row, maybe a game they're not supposed to lose to a team like Nebraska at home or to Minnesota. Now, obviously, you got to be sharp and win those games if you want to keep boosting that resume and get them ready You know, to head towards that run late in the season, maybe get into the March Madness tournament. Again, we're recapping Penn State men's basketball losing on the road in Madison to the Wisconsin Badgers 63 to 60 after leading 36 to 30. Adam, my final thought here is exactly that game you brought up. The Nebraska Cornhuskers are coming into the Bryce Jordan Center. Uh, That's this Saturday. The tip off is 215. It's going to be on the Big Ten Network. Uh, It should be fun to watch. It's also uh, for a really good cause as well. Coaches versus cancer. I know a portion of ticket sales are are going towards the coaches versus cancer movement. So uh, find a way to donate to that because, of course, it is an excellent cause and greater than all of us, uh, I might add. But Penn State uh, should be a clear-cut favorite in this game. Uh, aside from the, the buildup and the energy that's going to be in the building and the you know the importance, the, the greater cause that goes along with this, I, I would hope that Penn State's going to be motivated here. But now they got to find a way to come back home, bounce back after a close loss. And just from what I know about sports, and you know the same thing, Adam, it's tough to bounce back in these situations when you lose a game close that you should have won. And then you go up against a team that you're going to be the consensus favorite. Not a lot of people are going to pick Nebraska in this one. So how do you think Penn state will adjust in just a few days here? Um, I think the good thing for them is they've been in this situation earlier this year. They lost that game to Michigan state early in December and they just lost to Clemson. So they had lost back-to-back games and they were traveling to Illinois to play a then top 20 Illinois team who had just beat a top five Texas team. And everyone's yeah. looking around like, well, they're going to go and they're going to lose that game. And they played great against Illinois, bounced back, and they were able to win. It's a little different now because, as you said, they're going to be heavy favorites. A lot of people expect Penn State to win this game. They've been re- really good inside the Bryce Jordan Center, so they have the right to believe that Penn State's going to be able to win this game. And they just had that game against Indiana last week where they were reeling, able to bounce back and win that game by 19. So it's going to be huge for them to come out hot. There's going to be a great crowd for them, obviously, coaches versus cancer always brings a great crowd to the Bryce Jordan Center for a huge cause that everyone on that coaching staff and in that locker room believes in. So they're going to be going out. They're going to be very motivated. And it's going to rely on them to be able to play the way they know how to play. That team we saw in the first half today against Wisconsin, the team we saw against Indiana, if they play that way, they're going to be fine against Nebraska. There's also a Nebraska team that I think is coming in very confident. I think a lot of people forget last year, Nebraska came into the Bryce Jordan Center the last home game Penn State had that season and they smacked Penn State and beat them by 20 plus points that was a Nebraska team that you know really struggled had Bryce McGowan's who was a really good player and they just smacked Penn State for 40 minutes in a dominating fashion win for the Cornhuskers so they're going to be confident coming into the Bryce Jordan Center knowing they can win this game so Penn State's got to be ready got to be ready to come out play knock down their shots and play the way they're capable of if they want to beat the Cornhuskers I think they will but it's all about going on the floor and doing it because on paper they should be fine 
Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Sheets, the insider himself for Penn State men's basketball, Penn State's Com Radio. Uh, Adam, as always, where can people keep up with your work? Uh, at Sheets Adam on Twitter. You have a lot from the game today and obviously going forward for the remainder of the season. All right, Adam, thanks so much for your time as always. And I look forward to our next chat about Penn State men's basketball, football, and of course, uh, all the other 29 Penn State varsity sports. Thanks, Zach. Always a pleasure. Thanks again for making Locked on Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. But you got to make sure you check out the new show on the Locked on Podcast Network, and that is Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball, all in one place. And you get big name experts, insiders, players, and coaches all on the show. It is Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you. I want to say I really appreciate getting to 700 subscribers on this channel. That really means a lot. And it means a lot to bring you this kind of Penn State sports content, football, men's basketball, wrestling, you name it. I want it all right here for you. Thanks for coming back to the channel and supporting it with likes, subscriptions, comments. It all means so much. Now for tomorrow's episode, I'm going to have a special guest. He's going to help me and I'm going to save who that is for tomorrow. So you got to check back here and they are going to help me. Just talk about the offseason, grade it out for Penn State, what the expectations should be for 2023, and what are the concerns about it? What is going to hold them back from being a college football playoff team? And that's all going to be right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.